come before you this morning, God, giving you thanks for the many blessings that you've bestowed upon us through the, throughout this week. Father, we thank you for the fact that we have means, we have jobs and we have means, God, that we were able this morning to bring back to you a portion of that which you have given us. Father, thank you for your strength, for your peace, for your joy, mighty God. Thank you, God, for this fellowship that we can enjoy. I pray, God, that as we pour it in, God, that you will bless this offering, Father, that you will direct us, God, that this offering will be used, mighty God, for the furtherance of your work. We pray, God, for your continued wisdom, your continued guidance, your continued protection. Father, we pray, God, that our hearts will always be willing to give back to you. We thank you, God, for all that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everyone. I'm here with the announcements. And our first announcement comes from the Hepzibah Online Evangelistic Ministries. They welcome you to their free annual life-changing retreat. I'm going to say that again. Life-changing, annual life-changing retreat. This will be held very shortly, the dates, July 4th to the 6th, and the theme of which is Abiding Presence, Adorned with Christ. They're inviting you to come out and experience God's presence in a new depth, to be robed in his righteousness, thus exalting him, to be sensitive to his mission for us, that of being his ambassadors. Please come expecting to enjoy powerful worship and camaraderie. There will be several dynamic speakers who will usher us into deliverance and new insights in the word of God. You can register online at www.hopeathome.org. That's www.hopeathome.org. And I'm sure they're looking forward to seeing everybody. And our next announcement comes from here locally, and that's the New Life Horizon Retreat that will be held October 11th through the 14th. That will be at the Rio Palace in Las Americas, Cancun, Mexico. Come out and join us. Thank you. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome again to New Life Horizon Church. My name is Ava Green Cameron, and I, this morning, I'm so grateful. I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I, I sang the songs this morning that we did in worship that speak about the new wine bringing, giving us new power and new freedom. I started to rejoice in my spirit because I'm saying, God, you... You know where I have been this week. I've been holding on to you because I am holding on. I am praying. I need to see you.
come. I need to see the miraculous powers of God showing up in my niece's life. I need to hear you, Father. I need to hear a word from you. I need to see you doing something. But this morning, even in the midst of waiting, God, I, I, I just felt like I could rejoice. I have not gotten a call to say that our situation has changed. When I spoke to her this morning, our situation was the same. Actually, she said to me, Auntie, I feel like a fridge is in my head. And I thought about it and I, and I said, God, there's nothing I could have said, but I, all I could have done is just to pray because there's nothing I could have said to her but just pray. But, so, but this morning as I worshipped the Lord and I came before him, recognizing that it's in him that all the answers lie. There's nothing I could do. There's nothing the doctors can do. Actually, the doctors say to her, I cannot do anything else for you. But this morning, I know that the one who we worship, the one who we serve, the one who is the king, the healer, the great I am, we know that he has the power to do and what he does, no one can overturn. And so this morning, even as I come into your presence, I am mindful that there are others who are listening this morning who have situations and you're saying, Jesus, Jesus, don't you care that I am drowning in my debt? Don't you care that I am drowning in my sickness? Don't you care that I am drowning in, 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 in my lack? Don't you care that I am drowning because I am lonely, I am stressed, I am anxious? Don't you care? And this morning, I know that the Lord has an answer for us this morning. I know that he wants to speak to us this morning. I know that he wants to come and, and he wants to come and he, and he wants to do something because it's in the pressing and it is in the crushing that we see our abilities. It is in the crushing and it's in the pressing that we see him as we is. And so this morning, I just want to welcome you into the presence of the living God. I want to welcome you this morning and, and say to you, no matter where you are, no matter what's happening, there is new power in Jesus. There is new freedom in Jesus. There are answers in Jesus that we may not understand or know or knew from yesterday, but today, he can change that. And so we're believing him this morning to come and, and, and make the things different. Come and change the things in our lives that we have been crying out and we are saying, Father, Jesus, don't you care if we drown? But this morning I want to present to you that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Savior himself is a caring God. And though he may not come at the time when you think that he should come, he promises that he will always come. He promises God that he will always be there when you need him. And so this morning, we just want to thank him for being the God who is. Thank him for being the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So thank you, Father. To last, for the last seven weeks, we have been looking at a seven-part series on the seven churches of Asia where we looked at what God commended and rebuked the seven churches for and how he gave them basically a prescription for change. And this week, we will begin a two-part series on the, from the book of Mark or the gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. 
And I would love for you to turn your Bibles with me to Mark 4, verses 35 to 41. And when you have found it, you could stand and we will read together. I will be reading from the New International Version. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher! Don't you care that we are going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked the disciples, Why are you afraid? Do you not do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. You may have a seat. Many years ago, I invested in an investment club that promised to pool investors' money and they guaranteed a minimum of 10% return on your investment every month. I heard about the club late, but when I heard about it, I, I started to call my friends, I started to tell people and my family members about it because I was so excited that here it was something that would have changed our financial position. And for, but when I spoke to some person, they were already in it, but some persons who didn't, they were so glad for this news. I had many reasons why I wanted to be a part of that club. I wanted financial security. I wanted to acquire wealth like the church up at Laodicea. I found my security in what I had. I wanted to comfortably send my children to university without worrying each semester where the money was going to come from. So I prayed, as the believer that I am, I prayed. I cannot tell you that God told me to go in, but I know I prayed. I mortgaged my house and I used the money and deposited in the scheme. Every month, I wouldn't even say every month, every day, I would stop and I would calculate because I'm a risk taker. So I'm not going to be taking my interest monthly. I am thinking of, okay, I'm going to compound the interest to a year. So I took up my scientific calculator because the regular calculators can only do x to the whatever power one. So I took up my calculator and every, and every so often while I'm driving or while I'm resting, I would stop and I would check what my investment would look like five years, because I'm a long-term, five years, 10 years, because I'm seeing this thing existing forever. 
I planned how I would use the money. I, I never thought about buying clothes and shoes. Because that that's not me. I thought about how I would own additional, I'd own property. So the excess money that would, after paying my children tuition, paying back my mortgage and, and all of that, I saw how I could buy properties because I wanted to have properties all over the world. And I would plan and I would plan and I would plan how I would use the money. And life was going exactly how I had planned. Because every month when I would see them send a little statement to say that I got a 10% or, or some, maybe I think maybe a one month or so I got maybe about an 11%. I was only in the club for 11 months. When one morning I was doing my devotion and I was led to read Hebrews 12, 26 to 27. And it reads as follows. Once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, the created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. When I read that scripture, I, I knew that God was saying something, but it wasn't clear what it is that he was saying, because he was saying, I'm going to shake the heavens, I'm going to shake the earth. I'm going to shake everything that can be shaken. And the only thing that will remain was the thing that cannot be shaken. And I was wondering, what would God be saying? What is it that he intends to shake? And what could not be shaken? I could not put my finger on what he was saying, but I let it go and I continued my merry way because life was going how I wanted to go. I was four months in this club and I never felt, I, I, I recognized that another club had fell, but it's just not the club that I was in. One week later, I heard the news that the investment club was a, considered a Ponzi scheme and that the head of the company or the organization was taken into custody and was being questioned for fraud. Immediately, that scripture came back and that devotional time I had with God came back. I am going to shake the earth. I'm going to shake the heavens. I felt that my investment would have been safe. I felt like with all the shaking, God was maybe saying to me, okay, I'm going to stop it, but I'm going to ensure that you get back your money. After weeks and months and the prolonged investigation, I'm realizing the hope of getting back my money became dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And it was around the same time that we heard of Madoff or Madoff, whatever the pronunciation is. That another investment scheme that was considered a Ponzi scheme and persons were losing money all over. The security I was seeking to, to achieve was now gone. I was no longer in control of the future that I had planned for myself. The desire to pay my, stu my children's tuition now seemed impossible because they were both studying overseas. And it was a conversion of my Jamaican dollar to the US dollar was not easy to pay two tuition. I now had two mortgages where I had one. I had to, to, to deal with the fact that I encouraged my mother 
to take her money from her 401k and invested it. And now she too has lost her money. So it was bad that I lost my money. But it was even worse for me when I thought about my mother losing her investment. God had shaken. God had shaken the things in my life and he was continuing to shake. Because a couple of years later, he then tells me to go. Like the disciples, I could not understand how could a loving God not warn me properly? How could a loving God not say to me from the beginning when I'm going into this scheme, give me a dream or something to say? No, do not go into it. How could a loving God, because when I spoke to others, some person said, I remember a friend of mine said to me, she just felt it and she drew her money out like a month before and she bought herself her car, she bought her car cash. And I'm saying, God, how could you have warned her but you didn't warn me? Why was I among those who in the midst of the shaken lost everything? And for like the disciples, I cried out to God, questioning his ability to care, questioning his ability to love, questioning that when he says he loves and he cares and he provides, I questioned what he was doing. And I've had recently, even as close as this week, to question God and say, God, why? What is it you're doing? The, 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 the chapter that we just looked at, or the text rather, that we just looked at, we saw where Jesus prior to that was teaching his disciples and he was teaching the crowd and he was speaking to them in parables. He was talking about the, the parables of, of, of the, the mustard seed and, 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 and sowing the seed and different, different parables. And he would meet with the disciples and he would explain to them what it meant. And after weeks of teaching, we recognized that Jesus became exhausted. And so he directs his disciples to go to the other side of the lake and they obeyed. That particular lake is the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee, as, as it is designed or how it, it is set up, is that it is in a valley. And on either side of the valley, there are mountains and hills. And it's like a, a wind, a tunnel is, is, is designed in the middle. So on the left and on the right, there are mountains. But in the middle is this, is this, is this lake or this body of water. And when the conditions are ripe for a storm, you'll have storms coming in. And, and, and when you read upon how the storms were, they say, it, they say imagine a, 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 your washing machine churning like a thousand times more. That's how violent it was. They spoke about like a, a, the, the, the roiling of an earthquake. And so the Sea of Galilee was known 
for having unexpected storm, unexpected violence, violent storms. And at this point, the waves were breaking over the boat and it began to fill the boat with water and the disciples became afraid. They thought, actually they thought they were going to die. And so when they went to Jesus and they saw him sleeping on a cushion, it meant that Jesus was all rested. And here they thought that they were going to die and the one who directed them into the storm was asleep. Jesus being the God who knew, the God who has power over storms and waves and the sea, he got up and he spoke to the wind and the wave. Now what I noticed ironically, that the scripture spoke about a storm or depending on the version, it speaks about a squall coming up. But Jesus did not rebuke the storm. He rebuked the waves, the wind and the waves. And I thought, but why would Jesus rebuke the wind when it was a storm? And I was reading upon storms and it says, a storm is wind at a certain force going in a certain direction. So the storm was only like a, a byproduct. The wind was the very essence of what was happening. It was the wind. And then I started to recognize that there's a difference between the breeze and the wind. So when he rebuked the wind, he knew that that was not the, the symptom. The symptom was the, the storm. But the very essence of everything, the, the, the root cause was the wind. And sometimes in our lives, we see things happening and we are busy rebuking the symptoms. When in fact, it is the very root cause that we need to address. Having rebuked the wind and the waves, Jesus, and I recognize that just as though the disciples obeyed him and, and set sail, when he told them to set sail, the wind and the waves also obeyed and they became completely calm. Jesus then said to his disciples, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And for him to ask them, do you still have no faith? It meant that at other times they are displayed on lack of faith. At other times he would have been in situations where he would have watched them and he would have seen them not develop to the place that he thought they would have been based off the teaching and the miracles that they saw. Having read this, this text this morning, I have, have, I have observed that it was Jesus who led the disciples into the storm to test their faith. And Jesus leads you and I into situations to test our faith, to expose and to develop our character and to teach us that he cares even in the midst of the storm. And so this morning, the first point I want to look, look at is that, well, actually, the only point I want to address this morning, because I'm going to be doing it in a two-part series, is the storms test our faith in God. Storms expose and develop our characters. 
When we think about the disciples that Jesus called, we recognize that he had fishermen, right? So there would have been Peter, Andrew, James, and John. And they would have been seasoned fishermen. And no doubt they would have fished on the Sea of Galilee. So these are assumptions that we're going to be making, right? And being fishermen, and if they had fished on the Sea of Galilee, they would have understood that this Sea of Galilee is known or prone to have violent winds. And maybe one or twice they would have been on the sea when a storm came. So I wondered, so why did they panic this time around? If you knew, it's like you know that if I go into my house and if I turn that particular switch on, there's not going to be any light. Because that switch in my house, there's nothing, it connects to nothing. And I'm aware, but why would I come in one night and turn it on and when there's no light, I would be afraid? Why would I panic? Could it be that, because remember, the last time they would have fished was before they became followers of Christ. So could it be that because they are now followers of Christ, they felt like they should never have encountered a storm? Because that's what we believe sometimes as believers. That because we are Christians, we are supposed to be immune from certain situations in life. Could it be that the storms made them felt out of control? Because that's one of the things why we panic. We panic when we feel that we are out of control. Could it be that because Jesus was the one who led them into the storm, they expected him to show more care and concern, but instead he seemed unaware and unconcerned? Because think about it. If water is coming over into that boat, it's not, we are not in a submarine now. We are not in, we are not in, 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 a, in, in a yacht. How could Jesus be sleeping? Because he must have gotten wet. So if, if you're in a boat with someone who says, would you consider your Messiah who is all-knowing, and yet in the midst of your darkest moment when it seems dangerous and your life is about to be taken, either sleep, what would you think about him? Clearly you would think that he doesn't care if he has control. And that's the situation that we find ourselves in at times. We're in a situation and we're crying out to God and you're saying, God, haven't you seen? Can't you see what I'm going through? Don't you care what I'm going through? Don't you care that I have debts going over my head? Don't you care that I am sick in my body and I need to be healed? Don't you care that I am lonely and I need a partner? Don't you care, Jesus? And in essence, that's what was the, the disciples were saying. Could it be that they were disappointed because the all-knowing Messiah should have known that there would have been a storm, yet he brought them into the storm? When you and I encounter storms in our lives, we tend to question God. And we forget all that he has done before because be honest, when you're going through it today, what he did yesterday is not as important. You're, you're needing him now. We forget the time that we pray and he answered and he delivered and he gave us specific answers to guide us. And so this morning, we want to look at what are storms? Because storms take many shapes and forms in our lives. We recognize that storms are natural occurrences 
they are natural to the natural atmosphere. They are natural crises that you face. A storm is the loss of a loved one. A storm is a divorce. It's a relational issue. It's a loss of a job. It's a sickness. It's financial hardship that you and I will encounter every day in this life. The things about storms is that they are unavoidable, so you can't live a life enough to avoid a storm. It is, in, that it is inevitable. You're going to go through storms. And the thing about a storm is that when it occurs, it's at the point when you least expect it. You just never saw it coming. And even though you may see the clouds rolling in, you may think, oh, it may just be little rain. And you can pray it away. And you can fast it away. But Jesus promised in Isaiah 43 verse 2, he says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. In essence, Jesus is saying, when, not if. He's saying, when, when you pass, when you go, when you walk, everything is when, when, when. He's not saying if you, if you. No, no, no. So there is something that he's saying that I guarantee you that you're going to walk through water. I guarantee that you're going to walk through the river. I guarantee that you're going to walk through the fire. But I promise that I will always be there with you. There is no exemption for the storm. Actually, if you're a believer, you have more storms. Because this is not only God wanting to teach you through the storm, it's also the enemy trying to destroy you with a storm. But what I like is that God promised that in the midst of all that we will ever face, whatever the crisis seems to be, he will be there. When I looked at storms again, I recognized that storms create anxiety. Because in the midst of a storm, we're out of control. Storms normally look and feel devastating. It feels like as if I'm at the end. Oh, can I survive one more day of this? But what I've learned over the, over the years of living and going through storms, that if I have the proper or the right mindset, it determines how I weather the storm. I can think about the physical storm that I've been in, the storms that when living in Jamaica would have the Hurricane Ivan, the Hurricane Gilbert. And when you hear that they are coming, you feel as if, oh my God, you need to get everything, you need your water, you need the tin can things, you need everything in place. Because there's coming this storm that is going to hit. You know you're going to be out of power. You know you're not going to have any water. The possibility, depending on your roof type, you may lose your roof. I can't, I can't remember standing in the house and, 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 and watching a roof in over on, on the playing field before me. And I went outside and I was talking to my neighbor. They were laughing and wondering, whose roof was it? It was my roof. <laughs> my roof was gone and I felt secure. I was just there wondering, whose roof? And those are the things that storms does or do. Storms come and create anxiety. 
Instead of having faith in God and speaking to the storms, the disciples question Jesus' ability to care. And that's what you and I do. Instead of trusting God, we say, Jesus, teacher, don't you care? If you really cared, you'd have done what I needed you to do. If you really cared, you'd have responded many years ago. If you really cared, you'd have made the situation different. Many times you and I, when in the midst of a crisis, instead of trusting God to bring us through the storms, we blame others. We fail to look into ourselves and we question God's goodness. But when we carefully analyze our storms, we will realize that we can, they can be worked, they can be used for our good. Because stop and think about a storm that you have been through, that you thought at the time was going to kill you. You cannot see how you could breathe one more minute in this. Imagine the, the time I, when, when, you, when you lost a job and you felt like, oh my God, how am I going to survive? But right there and then God gives you an idea to start a business or he opens another door for another job that you ended up liking more than the first job. What about a divorce? That in the midst of a divorce where we lose our eye, when we lose our feel like we do not worth, we, we lose our worth because we're saying we failed. We feel as if we failed. And the enemy bombards our mind and says, you failed. You could not even keep this marriage together. But in the midst of the divorce and, and everything, God comes and he, he builds you and he says, you have worth my daughter. You have worth my son. What about sickness as a storm? In the midst of it, I remembered when I was sick and I remembered when I, when I ate and the pain I felt and the vomiting and I just couldn't manage anymore and I, I didn't know what to do. But guess what? In the midst of that storm, God showed me how to eat. And so I changed the way I ate and it became a lifestyle change. Storms manifest themselves in unusual ways and can occur at any time of the day during the year but guess what storms mostly come in the spring and summertime physically and also in the spring and summertime of your life the time when god is saying it's time for new growth new life so in the midst of a storm stop and say god what is happening what is it that you're saying why did you bring me because you because there are many other storms that could have come our way and he has prevented some. So why did you bring me to this storm? Or why are you bringing me through this storm? He's saying to us, it's springtime. It is summertime. It's time for new growth. I also recognize that every storm that I face, there is something that comes and, and accompanies it to, to impact me worse. So if, if I am going through, okay, so let us think about Texas. Here in Texas, when you hear them announce that there's going to be a storm, I, well, actually, I'm at the place now I laugh. Because when you have been through real storms, Texas storm is no storm. But I notice that every time Texas has a storm, the thunder and the lightning, 
the, the hail, the rain accompanies it. And so, but if, you're, if I'm in the house and, 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 it, and they say it's a storm and it's just raining, I'm fine. But when you see the lightning and the thunder, if you are someone who have never been exposed to real storm, you're going to worry like the Texans do. Our life storms are normally accompanied by something else that impacts or magnifies the impact of the original storm and makes it appear to be worse. So, you're going through sickness. The first thing you recognize, you can't pay your bills. You can't even pay the hospital bills. You're now in debt because of your sickness. That's another sick storm. You have lost your job. You start to, to, to deal with the different financial issues, the self-esteem. Why did I lose? You, you're telling me I cannot hold a job? That they had to fire me? I was worth nothing? Whatever the storm, there is always some condition that comes to magnify the original storm. We recognize that storms can be physical. It can be spiritual storms. It can be emotional storms. Like you can have emotional storms of depression, of guilt, of loneliness, of insecurities, of self-esteem issues, of anger, anxiety. All those are emotional storms. But what I also recognize about storms, they do not last forever. They are temporary. They are temporary, and so if I can set my mind or cause my mind to think that what I'm going through now will not last forever, I'll be in a better place to ride out that storm. Storm, the physical storm. The disciples were, in a, were experiencing a physical storm. But that spiritual, physical storm had spiritual implications. They were led into the storm by their master to be taught. They were led into the storm by their master to be tested. They were led into the storm by their master to expose and to reveal that which is in them that gives them character. They were led by their master into the storm to show that he cares. The disciples saw Jesus perform miracles. They, they saw what he did. But up to that point, they were only observers. And the same thing with you and I. Up to a point, we are only observers. So we read the word and we talk about the word, but we are observers. We are not living it and we are not demonstrating what the word says. And so as observers... When you sit in a classroom where you're taught, there's a point in time where you're going to be tested on your knowledge, right? Do you really understand what you were taught? That is what Jesus, in the essence, Jesus would have been doing. Causing them to, to see if what I have been teaching you, you have been grasping and understanding. They were to be tested by the storm to see how Jesus' words 
and works have impacted their faith and developed their character. You and I have and will encounter many more storms in life of various forms. But at the end of it all, a lot of the storms we face, if not all of the storms we face, it will be Jesus who leads us into those storms. And as I thought about that, I thought about the Holy Spirit leading Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy before his ministry began. So like this was his, his, his bar mitzvah moment. This is his becoming, his coming out. This was his moment. This was his examination time. Think about the last major storm you encountered or possibly going through now. It might be physical, it might be spiritual, it might be emotional. But whatever it is, can you remember or, or identify what it felt like or is feeling like? For some of us, it felt like it was we were at the end of our ropes. For some of us, we were disappointed in God. And we're saying, God, you could have saved me from this. But I'm recognizing by reading the scripture that when I'm faced with a storm or when you are faced with a storm, we are faced with two options. We can, we can either worry and assume that Jesus do not care or we can resist the fear by putting our trust in him and allowing him to develop our characters. Because that's what storms do. Storms refine characters. Storms builds and make us stronger. There is no individual that I know, no person I know who, who welcomes or looks forward to going through a storm. No, no human being relish the thought of having a storm. But when we are going through those storms, we have a tendency to underestimate God's power to handle the storms. We question his ability to care for us and we forget what he has done in the past. And one of the things I noticed that Jesus does in the storm, or some of the things rather I noticed, that when he takes us to the, to, to the, through the storm or takes us to the storm, as he did with the, with the disciples, he does this to test their faith, to reveal the true nature of their faith. Is their faith weak or is their faith strong? And so when you find yourself going through the storm or come to the storm, Jesus is testing your faith. Is it a weak faith or a strong faith? It may not be obvious when life is going smooth and we aren't challenging anyway because your faith, when it's not tested, you don't know what it is. But when the storms of life come, a weak faith will be revealed for what it really is. A weak faith will show, the storm will show us 
who we are deep down. Have you heard someone say, he or she brought that out of me? Because they did that to me, I, 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 I responded this way, or I did it this way. A storm will reveal areas in our lives where our character is flawed. A storm will reveal areas in our lives where we need to trust God. A storm will reveal in our lives our view of our problems and our view of God. So Jesus continues to test us so that not only will our character be known by him, but so that we can see our true worth, ourselves, our true nature. And he tests us and refines our characters by allowing our storms to drive us towards him and not away from him. And if we are honest, most of us, I came to the Lord because of my storm. I remember sitting and watching television with my children, having the concerns in my mind because of what I was going through. Had no thought of Jesus. Watching the television, flipping for a movie, a ch surfing the channel just to find a, 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 a station to watch that would be distracting. When I heard in my spirit Channel 13, which I did never watched before. And I, when I went to Channel 13, I saw this guy, Reinhard Bonke, cannot forget him, talking about loving God talking about loving the Lord enough that he wants to write a book and send to the homes in Canada and in the United States. And I knew that if that man spoke that day about, that night, about Jesus dying on the cross, it wouldn't have meant anything for me, because I've heard that. Jesus died on, I've been hearing that Jesus died on the cross many years. It never meant anything. But what got me was how could a man love God so much that he was willing to write a book and sent to every homes in the Canada and United States. And so at that moment, I listened and I gave my life to the Lord because I wanted to know him and to love him that much. And so I realized that it's in the storms God sometimes comes and he allows the storms to drive us to him and not away from him, to pull us to him where his arms are always extended and waiting for us to come. He also allows the storms by providing opportunities for us to grow. I thought about Joseph having been sold into slavery by his brothers, having been thrown into jail by Potiphar because his wife lied on him. And at the end of the day in Genesis 50 verse 20, Joseph was able to say, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Storms have a way of fulfilling God's purpose in our lives. Storms have a way of creating opportunities that we would have missed because Joseph would never have gone down to Egypt on his own. Joseph would have never have been chosen otherwise to be the one to save Israel. But God knew to get him to that place, he had to send the storm. 
God knows that the storm that we are going through now is to equip us and to prepare us for the next level. To equip us and to prepare us for the greater storm that is to be coming. I remembered hearing Joyce Meyer say the problem that she faced many years ago pale in comparison to the problem that she has now. But if she never had them then she would never have known what to do now. So the storms equip us to go through the other storms that are coming because trust me there are other storms that are coming. And so we have a choice all the time. God, do I trust you to take me through the storm or do I struggle? Do I cling instead of rest? Over time, our storms become a part of our past. If we really look back, I thank God sometimes for some of the storms he brought me through because the storms propelled me into another dimension that I would never have achieved or reached if it wasn't for that storm. I would never have known Jesus without my storm. I would never have learned to trust Jesus to provide for me if it wasn't for the storms in life that I had to face. The storms of my past do not impact me today the way they did then. And so I realize that I have a choice today. How do I deal with my storms? The disciples' faith was tested. And what they would have learned from this storm is that God had the power to do miracles. But more importantly, he cared about them even in their storms. And that is one of the things that I wanted to know this morning. That your storm that you're going to go through, Jesus has the power to silence the storm. He can speak to the wind. He can speak. So where you may be thinking at it that you're having a financial issue and Jesus is saying, no, your problem is not that. I'm going to speak to the other things that are creating the issue. I'm going to speak to productivity. I'm going to speak to demand. I'm going to speak to. Having, ob having observed the text. And as you thought about the text as we read it together. I want you to stop and think. Is there anything in this, in this text that I would want to follow? And one thing I recognize that I would want to follow, maybe not necessarily the same way, is that I want to always to be crying out to Jesus. But I want to cry out from a place of faith and not doubt. And so in looking at this scripture, I realize that there is a prescription to the way that I go to Jesus. I should not go to Jesus doubting. I should not go to Jesus in self-pity. I should not go to Jesus wondering if he cares, but I should go to him in faith. In the midst of my storm, I am to trust him to take me through because if he brings me this far, he can bring me through. Storms are times of despair and grief. 
and no one lives to go through the storm. But I'm recognizing the importance of the storm is how we go through the storm. How do I respond to the storm? My mindset in the storm, my perspective of the storm, my mindset of God while I'm going through the storm. And what I notice is that Jesus never promised, actually, when I read John 16, verse 33, which I want to read for you, Jesus actually is promising us storms. John 16, verse 33, he says, I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. He did not say in this world you may, because trust me, the, the, the choices of words that Jesus used or uses are specific. In this world, you will have troubles. And depending on the translation, it will say many troubles. But he says, take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus knew that the best thing for, for his disciples, the best way to examine or to give them to examine if they understood what he had been teaching and understood what he had been doing, the miracles he had been performing, because everything that Jesus did, he required them to do when he left or when he was leaving he was making replicas of himself and he knows that for you and I to truly stand and represent him even when no one is looking is for us to be tested is for us to go through the storm I remember having this discussion where we recognize that a storm normally starts at the A and it goes up until it's, the season is over. Can you remember the name of a, a storm that begins with an A? Allen, okay, what about B? Okay, C. D. E. F. G, Gilbert. H, okay, I, Ivan, uh, Ivan, okay? But if you stop and you think about it, when you think about Gilbert, are you ex experiencing the same anxiety you did when you were going through it? No. So storms are temporary. And they do not impact your future. So in essence, what God is saying, I have to take you through the storms to test your faith, to expose you to yourself. Because in the springtime, in the summertime, I desire to grow you. I desire for you to have new life in areas in your body or in your mind or in your spirit where you have not grown. And as I said before, none of us relish the thought of having a storm. And the truth be told, some of us are going to experience a storm this week. And we don't know what type of storm. What will be the impact of the storm? 
what grade the storm will be because some storms are more violent than some. What category? Will it become a hurricane? We don't know. Will it be just a thunderstorm? We don't know. But Jesus is saying to us this morning, have faith in me because I care for you. I care about even the storms because I even choose the storms. Because Jesus would have known, being the all-knowing God that he was, and if you looked at Jesus' life, there's nothing he did without purpose. You saw him coming before his mother and she's saying to him, Mate, they are out of wine, and he said, woman, my time hasn't come. So if he knew when it was his time to do everything, wouldn't he have known that this is the time to take them on the lake, to teach them about storms? So we can be guaranteed also in our lives that though the storms are raging and it feels as if there is no hope, though the storms are raging and we feel as if we are going to die because we cannot bear it one more minute, Though the storms are raging and the credit card debts are there up in our face and over our heads and, 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 and you feel like you're going to drown because you feel the water going up in your nostril. Jesus says, tip on your toes, tip on your toes, tip on your toes, tip on your toes because you don't have to drown. Tip on your toes. You don't have to drown because he wants to teach us how to float. Yeah. And that's the place of relaxing. He wants to teach us how to float. So as the, the disciples cried out, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Jesus wants us to, to shout out, Jesus, we know that you care about our storms. Jesus, we know you care about our death. Jesus, we know you care about our loneliness and our pain and our suffering and our children. We know you care. He wants us to trust him because he loves us. Will you trust him today with your storms? Will you trust him enough today that if he's coming and he's removing something that he has something else to give? Will you trust him that although it seems long, when he comes, it will, it will be everything you desire. Jesus, the master of the storm, is saying to us today, trust me. As I want you to stop, and we're going to spend at least two minutes to five minutes this morning thinking about the storms in our lives. Looking at the way we respond or responded to the storms. And say to Jesus this today, Lord, we commit to trust you with this storm. We trust, we commit to trust you while going through this storm. And so I want us this morning to just to be close, to close our eyes. And think about the storms in life that you have been through or even better, the ones you are going through now. 
They may, they may be a category five. Or it may be a category one, but it is still a storm. It may be an emotional storm or a physical storm or a spiritual storm, but it is still a storm. And Jesus is saying to you this morning, present your storms to me. Because I speak to storms and they obey. So Father, we just come this morning and we individually present our storms. Lord, the truth is we have been disappointed in you because in our minds, Lord, you have failed us by bringing these storms. You have failed us by not responding to the storms in a timely manner. You have failed us, Father. God, that's what we say. We have failed us and we are disappointed. And if we are truthful, God, we will tell you how we feel. But this morning, Lord, I'm thankful that, God, you demonstrate to us through Matthew 4, 35 to 41, that you are the master of the storms. And, God, when you speak and you say silence or when you say peace or when you say calm, they must obey. And so, Lord, this morning, we give you permission to speak to the wind beneath our storms. The wind that is influencing our storms. And speak silence, speak peace to the wind that is impacting our storms. Lord, as the song is just playing in the background that says, Lord, I feel like I can't make it at times. I feel like, Father God, I don't know where to turn at times. I feel like, God, there are answers that I'm waiting for and have been waiting for, God, that I fail to see you answer. But today, God, I am believing you again that you are still the master of the storm. And I do not desire for you to ask me, do you still, do you not still have faith or have the faith? To believe? Do you still have no faith? Why are you afraid? And so, Father, I just thank you. I thank you, Father, that today, God, I'm confident again. I'm confident again that the storms of sickness, the storms of, of lack, the storms, Father God, that are raging. Are temporary and they are not in control. Because you, God, you are in control. Yes. It's over now. Because God is saying to some of us today, today is the end of that particular storm. That particular storm, it is over now. You felt like you couldn't make it. But it is over now. 
And so I give you thanks, Father. And I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. I am mindful that there are some listening to us this morning may not know Jesus enough to see him as the master of the storm. They may not know him any at all because they may they not. They may go to church and they may do the churchly things but they have yet to invite him in, in and receive him because there's a the, the difference between believing and receiving. You believe that he is Lord but you have to receive him. And you have not done that. You believe because you were told growing up that Jesus is Lord. And you believe it. The Bible says that Satan believes, the demons believe, and they shudder. Yeah. So believing is not enough. But there's a point where you have to confess him with your mouth. You have to confess him with your life. And you have to receive him. And today is that day. The word says if you hear the voice of God calling, do not harden your heart. And you may say, I have not heard his voice. Yes, you have. You just heard mine. And he speaks through us to speak to his children. And he calls those who are his. And he says, come to me. I desire to show you that I care. And for those who are disheartened this morning, where the storms have buffeted you, the storms have hit you left, right, and center, and you said, I'm so tired. Like this morning, someone sent me a, a message. Tired. Tired. Tired, tired, tired. Tired of, tired of our job. Tired of where she is. And, 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 and she wrote and she said, I, no, nothing, no one can help me but Jesus. And so when I wrote her back, I said, I thank God that you recognize that none of us, nobody, because she was writing all, to all the persons she graduated from seminary with. She was created this thing I was sending out and I'm saying I thank God that you recognize that none of us we don't know the scripture enough to encourage you so she recognized from early the only person who could help her in the storm and that's what we have to know our friends can't help us in the storm our families can't help us in the storm. Actually, no matter how caring they are, they cannot feel the way you are feeling when you are going through the storm. Because I, I recognize that even with my niece, it bothers me. I wake up every single night. I have yet to wake up in the middle of the night and not call out to the Lord. But no matter how I feel, no matter how I pray with her, no matter how I pray with everybody who call and want to pray with, about her, I cannot feel the way she's feeling in the midst of our storm. But Jesus can. Because he said, I have been touched with all your infirmities. I know how you feel because I carry you. 
And so the only person and the best person and the first person we should turn to in the midst of the storm is Jesus. Not our friends, not our bank account, not our families, not our 401k, not our job, not our boyfriend, not our husbands, not our wives, but Jesus. And so I ask you today to turn to him. Because he can quiet the storm. He can empower you through the storm. And even when he doesn't remove the storm, he can give you the strength. He can give you the technique to ride the storms. So my sisters and my brothers, I bless you today. Because I can't promise you that there won't be a storm today. But I can pronounce a blessing that in the midst of the storm, you will see Jesus more than you have ever seen him before. In the midst of the storm that are coming, you will experience Jesus like never before. And that you will trust him. You will depend on him. And that you will rest on him. So we be blessed. In Jesus' name. Just because he's sure he is right. So he fights through the night it goes on don't know when the day will break when his heart won't ache or this song will end lofty goals can consume one What a noble deed driven to succeed. What's the real price of success? And this feeling of emptiness left in its way, discerning the truth from the faith is the test. And though it hurts, Yet nevertheless, at this pain I must wake, from this bitter cup I'll drink, until this song, till it is, and every night I pray, Lord, let this cup pass. Cause I really didn't know how long it would last Every week I'd feel the same pain Residue of hurt would come again and again Then all of a sudden your life came Now I'm over and down Over and down I can't say how I'm over one morning I broke free All of the chains just dropped off of me People can talk about me as much as they please But I'm 